When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Welcome back, fight fans. It's another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. This is the reaction show. We're going to be talking today about Triple G just getting by Derivinchenko. Interesting fight to talk about from the weekend, plus the Golden Contract Tournament. We're going to be recapping on that as well. But before we do that, of course, we want you to go and follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod and on Facebook at BTR Boxing Podcast as well. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, check Check us out on Apple Podcasts, subscribe and rate and review, it really helps, please do it. If you're not on Apple and you're on Android, there's various apps out there including Podbean, Stitcher Spreaker, Player FM and Spotify to go and subscribe and listen and get all the latest episodes. So Johnston, Triple G then, scraping by in my eyes, scraping by Derivinchenko this weekend, it was a really, really exciting fight but I'll be honest with you. For me, it begged the question about Triple G, whether this is the start of age catching up with him. Yeah, I think a lot of people are asking that question. Is he now officially on the decline? I think I think on the, on the night's performance, I think you can clearly see that he's, he is. Um, you know, he's, he's 37, he's no spring chicken. Um, I mean, I, I know we're hearing the rumours afterwards that it was, he had a really bad flu and he probably shouldn't have been fought. Credit to him, he's not the type of guy to step away from any sort of fight. He's been like that for his, his career, from, from what I've seen. I think people are quick to say that he's, he's dark, certain people, which he, I'll never quite understand. I think he's a, he's a great fighter, Golovkin. He's, he's one guy that I've watched for many years now and I've always enjoyed it but I can see there was definitely you know I think, I think the body shots for me I think they were the ones that when he was sinking them and it looked like it took effect on him for the first time I've ever really seen Golovkin in a bit of trouble but you know if he was feeling a flu or some sort of viral condition then obviously that's going to take its toll but it, inevitably it, it, you know you get to 37 you're going to start to you're going to start to 
to decline. And um, and I think that that is the case of Ganofkin, although it's sad to say, but I do that is the case. Although it was a very entertaining and extremely good fight. It was an extremely good fight. I think it was made better by the fact that I think Golovkin seemed a little bit more vulnerable than what we've seen him in recent years in fights. And people were talking about him being on the wrong end of decisions against Canelo. However, I think maybe Derevanchenko was on the wrong end of, of this decision. I think it's arguable that on another night, Derevanchenko might have got the nod for this. I mean, people were talking about it being a robbery. I don't agree with a lot of people saying it's a robbery. I think it was a very close fight. And I think it could have been scored either way. However, what made the difference was obviously the early knockdown. So, you know, if you've not already watched the fight, Derevanchenko was knocked down in the first round of the fight, which he was against Jacobs as well, ironically. And it was funny because when the commentators were literally play-by-play on the fight, they were talking about that. And then as soon as they finished talking about it, Derevanchenko gets caught on the top of the head with a with a looping right hook and then Golovkin knocks him down. Bit of a flash knockdown. Derevanchenko gets up, he's okay, carries on and, and sort of grinds his way through the fight. And as you were rightly pointing out, then body shots were the, were the killer ones for me. They were the ones that were, were taking the wind right out of Golovkin's sails. And the only thing I'm, I'm struggling to sort of comprehend with the aftermath of this fight is them coming out, in particular Eddie Hearn coming out and saying, well, he's been ill all week. Right, well, if he's been ill all week, then why would you why would you put him in there? I don't know. I, just, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's, that's my first instinct. I mean, the counter-argument for that could be, well, it was for the vacant IBF title, which if he would have pulled out of the fight, he might have not got another chance at it for whatever reason. So I can kind of understand in some perspectives as to why maybe he didn't want to pull out of the fight or why his promoter didn't want to pull him out of the fight. But then if, you, if you're ill and you're going in there against a very lively opponent, a very tough opponent, then why would you want to take risks like that? It's taking risks on your own body as well. And, you know, we've all had the, a bit of the flu and we all know what it's like, especially us men. You know, we get the what's known as man flu and, you know, it takes us out for days, doesn't it? So if, if that's how he's been feeling all week, then to try and go in there and physically compete for, for 12 rounds like he did, it was, you know, it was quite something to behold, to be honest with you, given the fact that he was getting repeated body shots throughout the mid to late rounds. And round 10 in particular was probably my favourite because it was very back and forth. It started off with, obviously, Derevanchenko really coming on strong and, and looking to push on and try and really hurt Golovkin, which he seemingly looked like he did at points. But then the second half of that round was, was Golovkin coming back with some great shots and seemingly hurting Derevanchenko. And it was a good end to the fight. I, I, I did genuinely enjoy it. And it is, uh, you know, some people saying it's fight of the year contender. And, I, you know, I, I agree. I'd probably say it's uh, definitely up there with one of the, the, the best fights of the year. That's two weekends in a row now we've had really, really fight of the year contender great fights with Spence and Porter and now Golovkin and Derevanchenko but I suppose bringing it back to you then Johnston it just begs the question as as to whether this is the sort of beginning of the end for Golovkin now and and whether this proposed third fight with Canelo is is maybe I don't know maybe is it a step too far now maybe it's too late for him yeah it's a tricky one isn't it I mean that that I think for me, the reason why Golovkin won the fight, I, I don't think it was a robbery. I know you mentioned that, and I know people have said it. Um, for me, that wasn't a robbery. It was just a close fight. Uh, when I, I didn't score the fight as I was watching it, you know, I, I didn't write the right the, the, the sort of the rounds down. Um, I watched the fight, and after the fight, I felt like Golovkin won it by a couple of rounds. And I think that first knockdown, that, that that was what won him the fight. And it was, you know, it was the Golovkin punch, isn't it? I mean, who that that for me is the Golovkin punch, that looping one over the top on the top of the head. No one else ever throws that, and anyone that does today is 
he's literally learned from him. It's his punch for me. It's his signal to shot. And, um, you know, it was a flash knockdown. Let's be fair. David Shedder got up and, and he, he, you know, he fought well um, and he pushed them all away. Um, I just didn't think, although he, he turned him enough, I think he done really well in terms of turning Glofkin round and he, he did make Glofkin look quite old in there. Um, and that's credit to him. Um, and I think uh, he's, he's been on the wrong end now of, of, of two really close fights. I mean, the Jacobs fight is another one. That was a split division and that was probably just as close as the Glofkin one. I don't really recall too many people calling that a robbery. I may be wrong, um, but, you know, there's two fights in there where he's proved that he's definitely the top five in this division. He's pushed two of the, the best in the division all the way. Um, people like myself, you know, definitely I feel that, you know, he was close to getting a win and if he had got the win, I wouldn't have said it was a robbery either. So, you know, he really could have gone either way. I just think that knockdown definitely impacted the fight and the final result for me. And I think Golovkin just did enough. Um, I think, you know, the way he gassed, I've never seen him gas like I've never seen him really get hurt as much as he did. Although it wasn't clear to see, you know, he wasn't like really badly hurt, but I've never seen Golovkin hurt, ever. And that was the first time I've sort of seen it and I've seen him, like a bit of a wince in the face when there. there was like, you know, he, he, didn't, he looked a bit uncomfortable. And whether that is down to the fact that he, was, he had the flu, that is a possibility. I mean, if that's going to be their case, then you've got to say then, well, you know, he's done well to actually get through 12 rounds with any kind of flu. Because, you know, we all know how difficult it is. As you say, the man flu is fucking, you know, that, that takes us down, doesn't it? <laughs> we ain't coming back from that, especially for a week. But, you know, uh, I think I think the other thing is, as well as Abel Sanchez not being in his, in his corner, I think that's an influence. Yeah. And I think that maybe he needs to recall it, you know, and look into it a bit more. Maybe maybe, maybe make the call to, to, to call him back. I think that would be a, that would be a bit of a, be a good decision for him. I think he, he works well with him and I don't quite understand why they split and I think Golovkin would be better off calling someone like Sanchez in right at the end of his career. I mean, he's probably got another two or three fights in him. I think the Canelo fight, it's a, again, will it happen? Canelo drag his heels a bit when he and wait until the last minute and that could be not a bad thing. For, I think I think Golovkin's going to, that's just, he's just going to get worse. He's going to going to start declining. I think this is the point now where he is on the downslide and, and it, again, it'd be good time and if Canelo does beat him, I think we'd all turn around and say, well, you know, he was an old, an old Golovkin. So I, I don't know. I, I think it was a good performance from Davinchenko. I'm not going to take nothing away from it, but I think Golovkin is starting to slide, which is sad to say because, as I say, when I've seen him through the years, I've, I've enjoyed watching Golovkin, and he was definitely, definitely a shadow of himself on Saturday night. I suppose my next question, really, about Golovkin's career in general is: although it's not over yet, and although we'll probably see him in one or two more big fights, these big fights, these sort of mega fights, he's been involved in the Canelo fights. He's not won him. He's not won a major, major fight. He's he's seemingly sort of ruled the middleweight division for a period of time. But for me, when he's been in the big leagues, he's not delivered. He's not delivered uh, on a level where people will sit there and, and, and remember him as this dominating middleweight champion the way they remember, say, marvellous Marvin Hagler. Do you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me question whether Golovkin will ever go into the Hall of Fame or be recognised as a Hall of Fame boxer just because of the fact that, you know, I don't think he's done enough in the middleweight division. I mean, I know people might start be throwing all sorts of abuse at me for saying that, but I just can't see how, you know, at, with the times he stepped up to, to, to the upper echelons of, of the pound-for-pound pound leagues, he's, he's, he's been beat or he's drew. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's not. He needs a significant win for me on his record now. He, he needs a, a major win on his record like I, I, if he beat Canelo, even if he got the one of the win over Canelo, then maybe you could argue that because of what Canelo's done in his career and seemingly could go on to do in his career at his age still. But 
I have, I can't really say the Matthew Macklins of the world, you know, are, are really going to be the ones that kind of, or the Kel Brooks are going to be the ones that stand out on his resume as Hall of Fame worthy victories. And, and I suppose that's something that's been floating around social media is the question as to whether after it's all said and done for Golovkin, if he doesn't get a career defining win under his belt before he retires, would you see him as a, a worthy Hall of Famer? Uh, I think it's, I think, I mean, the trouble is with me is I felt that he'd be Canelo. Um, no matter what the record suggests, um, I will always say that Golovkin won that first fight. I, I just think he did. I'd, I've watched that fight three or four times and I can't for the I just can't see how that was ever a draw. So that, for me, is a win for Golovkin. Whether or not we will see it as... A, it, comes, it goes as a draw. For me, if you talk about robbery, that is a clear as day robbery for me because he won that by about three or four rounds. I mean, that's just my opinion. Um, I know other people may see it differently. I think that was where Canelo, he was dragging his heels early doors and they, that, that fight should have happened a year or so before that, even 18 months ago, and Canelo didn't want to know because he was saying, I can't fight a middleweight. I remember him saying that. You know, he was fighting. I think he did get a fight after that light middle, um, after being in a welterweight, and he said, there's no way I can make middleweight. And then he, he had an opportunity, and he, he basically just stepped down from his belt. I can't remember what, what title it was, but Canelo had a belt, and he was meant, to, he was mandated to fight Golovkin, and he and he said, I can't, I'm not fighting him. And he, and he just walked away from it. I think it was after he, um, when he beat, was it Miguel Cotto, was it? Um, and uh, yeah, and I thought that was a bit fishy. And I think that was because, his team knew that if he'd have fought Golovkin at that point, Golovkin would have beaten and he would have beat him comfortably. And then I think when they finally did meet, I think Golovkin did win. They got the draw. I thought that was really dodgy for me. I think the, the scorecards were, were off from well off um, in actual fact. Uh, with Adelaide Bird, I don't know what the fuck she was watching, excuse me, language, but that was a terrible decision from her. What, what, I don't know what she was watching. But for me, that, that, is the, that is the highlight and the peak of his career. I feel that it was, there wasn't really much around. And obviously, Kleno eventually went up to the middle and fought him. And now he's gone into light heavyweight. So, you know, that, that bollocks about him not being able to fight middleweight is ridiculous, isn't it? So, um, either way, I think I think that he will go down as a top fighter from the ones that have been around and watched him. But I suppose when you say that signature name in terms of when you look at the record, there probably isn't anyone on there. You're right. Um, which is a shame. And I think that it's the same on him, on him, really, that he was unable to get them fights because he was feared, man. He was a dangerous dangerous operator no one really wanted to know I remember even Martin Murray when he stepped in the ring with him in Monaco he was like you know I'm going to take on this guy that everyone fears and he did batter the life out of him didn't he poor Martin but yeah it's it's, it's, it's difficult because um, the peak of Canelo's career I think he travels many many middleweights throughout the years I think he contends that fight and he pushes him all the way uh, whether he beats him or not I don't know but yeah it's a shame on, on Golovkin it's a little notch on his career where people will say he hasn't fought a Hall of Famer and he's come up short against Canelo on the records. Um, and I don't know what you feel about the first fight. So, I mean, the, the second fight was probably more of a draw than a loss for me. But it could have gone either way. So, um, yeah, I think the third fight, unless Golovkin can go back to the drawing board and really just give it one last push against him and really battle it through for 12 rounds, maybe he might get the nod. But even then, I still can't see him getting the win. Because it's an interesting fight anywhere else other than Vegas, Canelo. And the judges, just for me, when it comes down to the A-side fighters, they're corrupt. I mean... It went against, uh, it went for Golovkin when he fought Jacobs because he was considered the A side, and I thought Jacobs might have just nicked that fight. So that's probably the one fight where I will say he was pushed all the way, and I thought Jacobs might have actually beat him. Other than that, I don't think he's actually lost other than that Jacobs fight if you're actually going to say it and watch through all these fights and, and score him yourself. I don't know what your feeling is, I saw, but uh, a great fighter and, and one hopefully he can get the Canelo third fight and get fucking win. I mean, that's what I'd love, <laughs> personally. I'm not a massive Canelo fan, so maybe I'm biased. I don't know. I, I don't. I, maybe I am biased. I'm looking at it because I'm a Glock. Fan. I don't know what your thoughts are. 
I just I just feel like he hasn't got the Hall of Fame resume that some fighters have have been inducted for and it's difficult because I'm looking through his resume and there isn't really a name on there that I can honestly say I justifies putting him in to the Hall of Fame. I mean, you look at his career and he's won he's won all the titles in the middleweight division there is to win. He's never held them obviously all at every, you know, at one time, but he has held the IBF, he has held the WBC, he has held the WBA titles, the IBO, the IBA, however, you know, depends on how lightly or highly you regard the titles, of course, but you know, he's held all the major titles, really. Um, and for me, whilst he's held them titles, and I can't argue against that, all I can really say is the quality of opponents he, he's beaten to, to, to get them titles and to be feared in the middleweight division really isn't... I don't think it's Hall of Fame worthy. I think people are always going to compare it to, to other resumes. And I'm not slagging off, obviously, Danny Jacobs, because I think Danny Jacobs is a great fighter. He's obviously been world champion himself, of course. And then... You know, you've got guys that have nearly guys like the Macklins and the Murrays on his resume, and you've got the Lemus, uh, Kel Brook, who wasn't even a middleweight, and then obviously you come to Alvarez and you get Alvarez, who's obviously the guy who, who who's kind of the one that's probably got the Hall of Fame resume already at this stage of his career, and that's without moving up to fight Kovalev and, and potentially beating him. So when you look at these two fighters side by side in the middleweight division, who would you give more of a Hall of, career, Hall of Fame career to? Canelo or Golovkin because for me it would probably be Canelo if I was looking at the level of fighters he's been in the ring with and what they've accomplished throughout their career in terms of the, the opponents I'd say Canelo's resume is better and, and has got a very stacked amount of opponents that he's been in there and, and beat yes there's a couple of guys where you're thinking oh you know these are a couple of donkeys really you know but they're not donkeys at the end of the day they were just guys that, that managed to get themselves into a position to fight him but some of the guys Canelo's fought you know in comparison to Golovkin are miles better a miles better, miles yeah. better resumes and miles better achievements in the sport. So for me personally, it's hard to say whether or not he'd get a Hall of Fame place. I think he will because, like I said earlier, he's held all the titles in the middleweight division, and obviously that that itself is is to behold. But if you if you're basing it upon you know, sort of the resume of, of the fighters he's been in the ring with, then probably not because the big fights, the biggest fights of his career, he, he's not won them. He's not won the biggest fights of his career. And at the moment, unless he gets a third fight with Canelo and beats him, I just don't think he will be remembered the way he should be remembered as, as that feared middleweight. Because he hasn't beat Canelo. And that that will always hang over his career. He hasn't. It's not on the records. You know, I know what you're saying yeah. about the first fight and, and it could have been argued the other way, but it's not on the records. And unfortunately, there's the records which speak for themselves. And, and I just don't think he'll get recognised the way I think he should be recognised and that would be a bit of a shame really you know given what he's done the guy from Kazakhstan who Kazakhstan is you know great amateur pedigree and great guys that you see come through the Olympics and the World Championships and obviously Golovkin's a product of that and for him to have gone on to achieve what he's achieved in his career he's he's fantastic but like I say I just always go back to the fact that he's had this one major major fight and he's he's yet to overcome this opponent that's the big thing for me to be honest with you but what I'm conscious of is that we've literally spent nearly 20 minutes (laughs) talking about this one subject about Golovkin so I think we need to put this one to rest for the time being and move on 
and just talk about the rest of the action from the weekend because obviously this was a big talking point but it wasn't the only talking point of the weekend of course you know there was a lot of other stuff going on um we were going to do a preview episode for this particular fight and for the golden contract tournament however technical issues didn't allow us to do it so we want to recap on it of course so Let's just go back and, and quickly recap on obviously some of the other fights that happened over the weekend. On this particular bill then, just quickly running through the bill, for anybody that caught up with it and watched it, you had Ivan Baranchek making a triumphant return with a very, very strange entrance to the ring, looking like Hannibal Lecter coming in the cage uh, and, co- <laughs> and coming in and obviously destroying uh, his opponent, Gabriel Brocaro, in four rounds with a TKO, getting that victory. So he's coming back after that first loss of his career against Josh Taylor in the World Boxing Super Series. Uh, he looked pretty good doing it as well. And then you had Ali Akhmedov beating Andrew Hernandez. And then you also had Nikita Abibi beating Ishaya Seldon. And then also in his debut on the light heavyweight, we had Joseph Ward, who obviously fantastic amateur standout career, uh, went and dislocated his knee in the first round. That was pretty horrific. Oh, I, I, do you know what? I haven't seen that. I heard about it, but I didn't see it. Um, so uh, I'm a bit of a shame that for Joseph. Um, I, I, as I say, I've, I've literally only seen it on the news. I've never, I haven't seen the fight and what happened. So I can't quite comment it. But what, what, what a tragic start the boxing career. What, I mean, I don't know the extent of the injury as well. How long is he going to be out for now? I don't know. I've not. I've not read anything further on that. But it was. Uh, it was actually the second round. I thought it was the first for some reason. It was the second round. It happened. But uh, as a result of it, it was obviously the uh, his opponent was given the TKO victory because he was obviously unable to continue in the fight. So it wouldn't be ruled as a no contest. It was basically a TKO victory for his opponent. So it depends. With something like that, it could be out for months now before he's able to get back in. But it's just a bit of a shocking way to sort of start your career. It's all right losing on points, you know, against a really tough journeyman but to, to go out that way he must have been pretty devastating for him to be honest with you but that was that was obviously the big card of the weekend but I wanted to preview the golden contract tournament we didn't get the opportunity to so instead we're going to recap it as well and the concept of it you know both of us were, we were really looking forward to the whole concept of you know the different weights similar to World Boxing Super Series and obviously having you know eight competitors facing off against each other working the way through to eventually face each other in the final to get this lucrative golden contract with a big time promoter yet to be revealed of course that's the the interesting part of the scenario is you've yet to say who this big time promoter is going to be whoever wins the tournament but it was a turn of the featherweights on saturday so we had victories for ryan walsh lee wood jazza dickens and tyrone mcculloch and you know i liked the whole concept of it i liked the fact that all these guys were up against tough opponents who weren't just there to, to roll over on the night. There were some great opponents. And the fact that they didn't know their opponents until fight week and they had to literally draw balls out of a velvet bag like the FA Cup in football and then get to pick who they were going to fight, I thought that was quite an interesting concept. And so far, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the fights. The wins for, for obviously guys that I genuinely expected to win on the night. And overall, I think it was uh, I think it was a good start to the Golden Contract Tournament for me. I, th- I think it's a brilliant idea. I really like it. I like the concept of it. I like the fact that, uh, fair enough, we don't know who they're going to get the contract with, but I think it, it gives them something else to fight for. You know, everyone's trying to fight for, for domestic titles and then try and move into the to the uh, sort of national ranks and the international ranks. But I, th- I, th- I really like the concept of how they're going to do it. And, and as you say, I think the, the four fighters that we expected did win on the night. Um, 
although I, th- I think the best fight of the night was, was the fight between Lee Wood and uh, David Oliver Joyce. I, f- I felt that uh, David Oliver Joyce called him, called him some problems. Um, you know, he, although he got eventually stopped and knocked down a couple of times, but um, good, good fight that for me. And uh, and obviously then the other, you know, Jazza Dickens back in there as well, having him, seeing him fight as well. Uh, Ryan Walsh, um, I think, I think everyone there was expected to win did win, and it makes it interesting semi-finals when that happens, um, and it just it just adds a little bit more spice to it, doesn't it? I really like it. Um, and I, I think it's a, it's a clever way of doing it. And rather than sort of, we have these prize fights, don't we, with the old, uh, you know, where they have like three rounds and then just have to just literally rip each other's heads off. I like the fact that it's going to be, uh, you get four fights, four close fights, you're going to get 10 rounders and they're all fighting for that, for not only uh, the credibility and recognition, but also for the fact that they can get a nice contract at the end of it and, and move on in their careers. I mean, I really like that idea. I think it's a clever, clever way of doing things and, and hopefully they can do that across all weights so I really like that I think they should do that when it comes down to the actual real world titles I think if you've got something like that you know where we have the world boxing super series which is brilliant you know if we could have something like that in the heavyweight game for instance and take the best eight out of that I mean how brilliant would that be I mean doesn't you know because of all these different um, governing bodies and networks um, obviously that causes a problem um, so it, it, I think it's, it's something that other you know, we need to look at across the board, um, and uh, and I like it. I really like. It. I, thought it was, I thought it was a good night. I thought you know, your call is always. A, it's a legendary place. It's, it's a great place to fight. Everyone's at it. Every, every British fighter, some international fighters, have all have all had to fight at your call at some point in their career. It's historic, and um, yeah, it was a great venue and it was a great concept, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I really like the concept. I like the fact that they're bringing something new into boxing. Because at the end of the day, you know, people complain about obviously the smaller hall shows, and and this, let's not let's be honest about it. It's basically a smaller hall show being presented in a way which makes it more mainstream, which is brilliant for the fighters that are on it, brilliant for the guys that are on the undercard, because obviously you had a couple of lads on the undercard there as well. Uh, you had Jacob Robinson, son of Steve Robinson, and then you also had Sam Gilly as well, who'd been on our Wants to Watch series previously. So, you know, you had guys on there that were looking to get themselves onto a platform, in, as in Sky Sports, and they've got the opportunity to be on there and, and obviously compete on there. So it's putting them out to a, to a bigger audience. Obviously, the relationship MTK have with IFL has really helped them propel themselves. And there was people that were giving it a lot of praise. There was a couple of bits of criticism I did manage to stumble across upon Twitter People basically saying it's just a shit small hall show being put on Sky Sports. I, I disagree. I disagree because I, I've said this a few times that MTK as a, as a promotional outfit, that in terms of what they've done over the past 18 months, they've, they've picked up the ball that Matchroom have dropped in the UK in terms of the quality of the shows that they've been putting on. Most of the shows that Matchroom have been putting on, by the next-gen shows, have been pay-per-views. So you're kind of put in a position where you know, you're forced to buy the pay-per-views if you wish to do so, of course, and you, you, you have to, that's the only way you're going to get these quality shows from Matchroom now. You get the next-gen shows, but the next-gen shows are just glorified small-hall shows, but with an incentive at the end of it, you know, you get a five-grand bonus for knocking your opponent out as well as progressing to the next round, as well as having the opportunity to fight for a fantastic contract. A lot of these guys have come from the small-hall circuit with small-hall promoters, so for them, this is an opportunity to push their platform to the mainstream to the mainstream audiences to sell more tickets to get more bums in seats which is more important for these lads at this stage of the career in my opinion and it's the same with like the ultimate boxer tournament as well you know three round format 
and the goal for it at the end of it whoever wins they get the the 32 grand or the 50 grand or whatever it is and it just puts them in a position to fight on a better stage in the future because they've got this little accolade behind them they can say they've done this and they can say they've done that and i think it's good for boxing i think it's good in general and i'm not i'm not going to say anything other than the fact that this is good for boxing and good for fighters that are trying to make a name for themselves and you know even when you've got guys like Dickens and Walsh that have already been in at certain levels and and been in with with good names that have gone on to to bigger things in the sport this is a chance for them to put themselves back into the limelight as well as it's a chance for other guys to propel themselves into the limelight so overall really impressed with the tournament I think it'll only grow and grow and grow obviously we've got the super lightweight tournament coming up in the future you know you've got the big scuffle behind the scenes at the york hall between tyrone mckenna <laughs> and o'hara davis and uh, anybody that has seen the ifl interview with o'hara where tyrone mckenna comes up and sort of slams him on the uh, on the side of the ambulance and then coogan puts his camera down and then people were just saying it was all staged and blah 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 i don't know it, it seemed a bit it did seem a bit staged to me, to be honest with you, that whole incident, and it just seems like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a one for the cameras, really, to kind of pump up the the hype for for the future. And you know, people might not like it them doing it this way, but it is what it is. So, Golden Contract Tournament, we enjoyed it. We enjoyed watching it. We enjoyed the concepts of it. Uh, in terms of then going around the rest of the weekend, then was there anything else in particular that you wanted to pick up on from the weekend just gone? Um, well, I mean, you mentioned uh, the old O'Hara uh, Davis and the old uh, little scuffle. It is like a, a behind-the-scenes WWE uh, thing, you know, when they go <laughs> locker rooms and start having a fake tear-up, and uh, which which puts me nicely on to the fact that I don't know if you you see the old Tyson Fury <laughs> incident at WWE over the weekend. That I've seen. I, I, do you know what I didn't? I don't know if I don't know the weekend or in the week, but um, he was he was sitting sort of ringside with me for a WWE event, and uh, looks like he's uh, he, he, he's dab- had a little double uh, dabble in the WWE scene, and um, <laughs> that way just, just getting more and more famous like, over in America. I mean, uh, they're singing his name, and uh, it's it's a bit of fun. Let's be honest, uh, you know if. If anything, Tyson Fury in his career could quite easily step in to the toughest WWE as a Gypsy King, could not he? He's just the type of character that could do it. He will bring a, a whole wealth of fans to the WWE. And, you know, James Man, he's, he's, a, he's another dodgy one. He's just as bad as Don King, that one, man. But, um, yeah, he's obviously... I wouldn't be surprised if, if he approached him and asked him to sign a contract when he retires from boxing, um, but, you know, again, it just shows that Tyson Fury is becoming more of a bigger name than, than any other, the other American, I should say, that's fighting, which is uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, the, the guy is he, he's literally making a mockery of him at the minute, the way he's able to just pick up all these American fans, because he's just that type of guy. He's just got a bit of everything, Tyson. He's always been fun to watch. And, he, you know, from, from back in the day when he used to, you know, he, even with the clips going coming out, his Batman suit, and he's just, this is, this is him all over. I can see him. Easily making the transition into WWE, um, so yeah, it was a bit of yeah, a bit of fun. It made me laugh. Um, and the other thing was uh, was was Charlie Edwards 
um, obviously decided to move up, which, uh, which is something we both mentioned that eventually would do in a way. And, uh, and I think he, he clearly said that you know he was drained. I think he was taking pictures of himself looking really drained. You clearly see, and it is evident that um, he, he's struggling to make the weight. But we did say he didn't quite fancy that rematch. We did say he didn't quite fancy the rematch. You're right about that because he, you know a lot of people, including ourselves, suggested that he might end up vacating and moving up. Which you know morality says that you should give the guy the rematch and honour that. But you know at the end of the day, if he was struggling to make weight and it was really affecting his health, then. You know, at the end of the day, your health comes first, and I totally understand him making that decision. People can sit there and slag him all they want by saying he's a shit house for moving up and not rematching Martinez. <laughs> I, you know, I get, I get why people say that. I do because obviously he looked like before he threw that nasty little shot in at the end, he looked like he had Charlie beaten, and that could have been the score. I do feel for Martinez because will he get a shot at that vacated title now? That's the question, and if he doesn't, that'll be an absolute crying shame and a shambles if the WBC don't instate him as the number one contender for that title now Charlie Edwards has moved up. I've not seen anything as yet, but I will be interested to see over the next couple of weeks whether they do make Martinez number one, and then they do make the next number on the list, whoever that was at the time, push them up to the number two contender, and, and they fight for the vacant title, because that really is what should, you know, that should what's what happens next for me that's how it should go down and it'll be interesting to see what Charlie does next and he wants to push on and he wants to move on for a second world title challenge and good luck to him you know good luck to the guy Uh, that's all I can say at the end of the day I'm not here to shit on Charlie because at the end of the day he's a fighter he's he's been good for the sport over the past couple of years his stories you know he's got a lovely little story behind him with everything that's had to go on outside of the ring with his mum and obviously we've got his brother Sonny who we've spoke about quite highly recently as well so fair play to him for having a crack at it at least he's giving it a go which is more than what some of these guys who sit there behind a computer or a mobile phone can ever do in their lives so I've got to give him credit for that. And just touching back on Tyson Fury then, obviously I've got to make some comments on that because for me, it was a very, very shrewd and smart business move. So he's a he's his family are, are WWE fans. He's a WWE fan. So, you know, if they've given him a call or his management, Fury's management have said, you know, we're going to get you here and we've had a chat with the guys over at WWE and they fancy kind of getting you involved in some sort of angle which involves you getting involved with one of their biggest stars. Uh, would you be up for that? Tyson Fury's going to jump all over that like a fat kid on a cupcake. <laughs> Of course he is. He's going to absolutely revel in it. He's, he's, he's a pantomime villain himself at times. He loves it. So that's that's naturally sort of his habitat is to go into, you know, basically what he's, what he's acting. The WWE guys, whilst they're performing the ring and, and, you know, there's people say, it's you know, it's all fixed and it's this and it's that. Yeah, it's all predetermined. We know that. But some of the moves that they conduct on each other... Fucking hell, they're real, man. People have broke necks and doing yeah. it. I've seen, I've seen a girl dislocate her arm in the ring trying to trying to do a move. So we know it's we know it's real in that respect. But whatever angle they do with Tyson Fury, however they play it out, all it's doing for Tyson Fury is building his reputation in the USA even more than it already was. I mean, let's let's be honest, right? Wilder, as you said, people hardly know who he is. And he's a WBC heavyweight champion of the world for, what, over two years nearly now. And nobody knows who he is in America, hardly. Anthony Joshua goes over there and he gets referred to as Anthony Johnson. Tyson Fury, go- <laughs> Tyson Fury goes over there and people know who he is because he's coming over there with a story. The story of, obviously, him coming back from what he came back from, depression and mental illness, being well overweight and coming back to face 
the third champion with all these knockouts and to, to nearly beat him or should have beat him and get up in that 12th round, that won a hell of a lot of people over. Massively won people over. And then for him to come out dressed as, as Apollo Creed from, from Rocky Four. It's going to win people over because people love the Rocky franchise. So it's automatically, it's going to win fans over just for doing that alone. Of course it is. And now for him to appear in WWE TV, of course, WWE, a global company, a company that's been going for years and years and years, got a massive fan base. They're going to look at this guy and go, who's this guy? Tyson Fury. Oh, the Gypsy King. Oh, they're going to buy into it. They're going to probably, whatever that happens with this interaction that they're planning on having with him uh, on their next episode this this week you know it may lead to him getting a few more fans it may lead to putting more bums in seats in america because let's be honest this most of his fights now will probably end up in america uh, i can't see many more coming back to the uk unless we get a big mega fight with joshua at wembley stadium or he brings wilder to wembley stadium if they have a third fight of course but for, for the American audiences, this is a guy who's British, who's charismatic, who's got a story behind him, and people can buy into that. And all they're doing with him is they're selling him to a different audience so that they'll follow him. So in my eyes, it's a very shrewd business move. It might seem daft on the outset of things, but if the long-term goal is for him to get a shitload of more followers who are eventually going to go and buy some more tickets to his fights or pay for the box office fees to watch him, then that's job done because they're getting a share of all this. So they're getting the money at the end of it all. So that's what people don't even think about. They just think, oh, look at the state of him. He's a waste of space. He's, he's ruining his career since 2015. These are some of the comments I've seen on Twitter, by the way. And for me personally, the, the, the guy's going to make a shitload of more money. He is. Floyd Mayweather did it. Floyd Mayweather went in there against the bleeding big show and hit him with a, hit him with a fake knuckle duster. And I think he actually broke his nose, I think, from what I remember with that. But Mayweather went in there and had a match at WrestleMania. And I think that propelled Mayweather's career because he was struggling at that time. He was known for his boxing ability. He was fantastic, but he won a lot of people over because of who he was and the celebrity status. And this is what WWE do best. They get people from different sports. They transition them over. They have interactions. And then it ends up helping that particular celebrity sports personality to go on and do something better in the career. They've had Tyson there in the past. Obviously, Ronda Rousey became a a WWE wrestler as well, the MMA fighter. So I'm not being funny. It's a very smart move. And and if anybody's sitting there and saying it, you know, all sorts of negative things about it. I'm not being funny, but if you was offered the opportunity to do it, as a, as a fan of it, you'd probably jump at the chance. But then secondly, if you've got that Vince McMahon money coming in your pocket, of course, of course you're going to go and do it. So that is my... That is my thoughts on that. That is that's how I think about it. Uh, and I think there was one final thing I wanted to bring up on this episode before we uh, recalled it uh, an evening on this one. And I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm only going to bring it up because I've literally seen it on Twitter as we're recording this episode that the KSI versus Logan Paul event that's happening soon has been put on box office for a fee of nine pounds and ninety five pence. Wow. You're kidding me, I didn't know that. Yeah, I nope. thought you were going to say to me that is it, is it the Logan fella that's calling out Anthony Joshua? That's what I've seen recently, that he said he wants to fight him. I thought, what the fuck is he doing? Is he mad? He's going to have to get <laughs> murdered if he ever steps in the ring with Anthony Joshua. Oh dear, I don't know. I, that's, that's, that's incredible. Non, uh, each to their own, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I will not be watching the fire when we're paying for it. Um, I will probably, I will find out the result of it, no doubt through social media but um, other than that I have absolutely no interest whatsoever. Um, uh, yeah I can't believe that I'm shocked 
um, that that is even happening and that people are actually going to put their hands in their pocket. Saying that, I mean, we mentioned Nigel Benn's situation. You, you know, that's going to be, you have to pay for that one as well. So, yep. uh, so it's, it was, what's the worst of them? I don't know. Uh, I think for me, it's just, just stupid Logan KRS. What's the other one? I can't even <laughs> get the guy's name right. That's about how relevant he is in my life. So just, uh, yeah, I... I that's just daft. I mean, people are going to pay it now, aren't they? This is the thing. Thank you, Joshua. Um, so, yeah, Eddie Earn obviously um, is going to make a bit of money off of it. And uh, I suppose we're, what we're saying about Tyson Fury in terms of him stepping over to WWE and himself and a few extra quid, then, you know, and he enjoyed it, he likes it. You know, he obviously brings it into his, his press conferences, doesn't he? So, you know, he's a bit WWE style anyway, so you can get that. And obviously, Eddie decided to go down this route to end himself with Fiat Shabob. Probably doesn't need it as much as Tyson, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, mate. I, I can't even really understand how anyone would want to pay for it, but there will be people that will. So, um, good luck to yeah, I just could fight. Yeah, well, this is it, isn't it? I'm, I'm not willing to pay for it. I'm not willing to watch it. Poor Billy Joe Saunders and Devin Haney stuck on the undercard of that shower of shit. It's, it's ridiculous. It's literally, as I said the other week when we talked about it, it's going to be a certain demographic that are going to pay for it to watch it. And it's all going to be all, all their followers. And they're not going to give a shit. The people that are getting paid are not going to give a shit who's watching it as long as a fee's being paid to watch it. Which isn't going to happen because in this day and age, most people will probably go and find some sort of illegal stream to go and watch it on. So props to them for, for even thinking about putting a fee there because if, the, if I'll, I'll be interested to see what the buy rate is anyway. That'll be uh, that'll be something interesting. I wonder if Eddie Hearn will overinflate the actual numbers. Oh yeah, yeah, we sold, uh, we sold 2 million pay-per-view buys on this one. In reality, he probably sold about two hundred and fifty thousand, but obviously he's <laughs> he's going to over he's going to overinflate it, of course, to make it sound like it was better than what he was. But yeah, that 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 is that, I suppose. I don't think I've got anything else to go through actually for this this episode. Uh, if there are if there are any fights that I've uh, failed to mention on this episode, and for any listeners that might have said, "Oh, well, where's this fight, and why have you not spoke about this fight?" I can only apologise to be honest with you. I didn't want to make it a long drawn out episode. I just really wanted to touch on the Triple Tree Derevanchenko and the Golden Contract and obviously some of the news and, and with so much coming up, you know, in the next week as well, I think it's it's only right that we keep it as short and sweet as possible. And, you know, if any of you, you listeners have got any anything you want us to talk about, anything you want us to give an opinion on that we have missed out on this particular episode, then you know what to do. You can just tweet us. You can tweet us at BTR Boxing Pod or you can leave us a comment on the Facebook page, BTR Boxing Podcast. And if you've not already subscribed to the podcast by now, please go and do it. If you're already a subscriber, then one thing I want you to go and do off the back of listening to this episode is go and share the podcast on social media, on your social media account, whether that be Twitter or whether it be Facebook or whether it be even Instagram. Go and share it and let people know where we are because that will help bring a new audience to us. Not the demographic that we're looking for, but the demographic (laughs) that we actually want, of course. So as always, it's been a pleasure Speaking to you, fight fans, Johnson's been a pleasure breaking this fight down with Triple G, Derevinchenko. And guys, you know where to find us now. We'll see you on the next episode later on this week. Thanks for listening.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.